It is good to be here tonight. My name is Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, Scott. Hey, I don't know. They do some chant. I don't know. But in Australia, they go, Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. Oh, come on. That was awesome. And uh, hey, they've got great food there. I know. I just went and had Outback Steakhouse the other day. It was phenomenal. It was good stuff, um, but no, put some shrimp on the bobby, right? You got to throw that out there. It is good stuff, but man, it is good to have our friends uh, join us tonight. I did that specifically just for them um, because, and their friends that are watching in Australia. So thank you guys for watching us. So. We've got, uh, and I know I've mentioned this before, but we've got people that um, will watch. We've got a friend here from uh, South Carolina we've, uh, tonight, so thank you. And uh, this is just a blessing because Saddleback Church has put out this curriculum that we teach through and that we go through, and for some reason, God's blessed Big Valley, and uh, we have some resources that can continue to help um, spread the good news of Jesus Christ out there in the world. So thank you guys. Um, tonight, we are talking about the introduction to Celebrate Recovery. What and why are you guys even here is the real thing that we're talking about tonight. And so um, I got a video I guess I want you to watch. And I want you guys to watch this video. It may be a smidge long, but watch it. There was once a great and noble king whose land was terrorized by a crafty dragon. The scaly beast delighted in ravaging villages with his fiery breath. Helpless victims ran from their burning homes only to be snatched into the dragon's jaws or talons. Those devoured instantly were considered more fortunate than those carried back to the dragon's lair to be devoured at his leisure. The king led his sons and knights in many valiant battles against the dragon. But one day... Riding alone in the forest, one of the king's sons heard his name purred low and soft. In the shadows of the trees lay the dragon. The creature's heavy-lidded eyes focused on the prince, and the reptilian mouth stretched into a friendly smile. Don't be alarmed, said the dragon, as gray wisps of smoke rose from his nostrils. I am not what your father thinks. What are you then, asked the prince slowly drawing his sword as he pulled in the reins to keep his fearful horse from bolting. I am pleasure, said the dragon. Ride my back and you will experience more than you ever imagined. Come now, I have no harmful intentions. I seek a friend, someone to share flights with. Have you ever dreamed of flying, ever longed to soar in the clouds? Visions of soaring high above the hills drew the prince hesitantly from his horse. The dragon laid out a great wing to serve as a ramp to his rigid back. Between the spiny projections, the prince found a secure seat. Then the creature snapped his powerful wings twice and launched them into the sky. The prince's apprehension melted into awe and exhilaration. From then on, he met the dragon often, but secretly, for how could he tell his father, his brothers, or the knights that he had befriended the enemy? The prince felt separate from them all. Their concerns were no longer his concerns. Even when he wasn't with the dragon, he spent less time with those he loved and more time alone. Eventually, the skin on the prince's legs became calloused from gripping the rigid back on the dragon, and his hands grew rough and hardened. After many nights of riding, he discovered scales growing on the backs of his hands. 
with dread. He realized what would happen if he were to continue, so he resolved to never return to the dragon again. But after a few nights of resisting, he again sought out the dragon, having been tortured with desire. And so this transpired many times over, and no matter what his determination, the prince eventually found himself pulled back as if by the cords of an invisible web. Silently, patiently, the dragon always waited. One cold, moonless night, their excursion became a foray against a sleeping village. Torching the thatched roofs with fiery blasts from his nostrils, the dragon roared with delight when the terrified victims fled from their burning homes. Swooping in, the serpent belched again, and flames engulfed a cluster of screaming villagers. The prince closed his eyes tightly in an attempt to shut out the carnage. In the pre-dawn hours, when the prince crept back from his flights with the dragon, the road outside his father's castle usually remained empty, but not tonight. Terrified refugees streamed into the protective walls of the castle. The prince attempted to slip through the crowd to close himself in his chambers, but some of the survivors stared and pointed toward him. He was there, one woman cried out. I saw him on the back of the dragon. Others nodded their heads in angry agreement. Horrified, the prince saw that his father, the king, was in the courtyard holding a bleeding child in his arms. The king's face mirrored the agony of his people as his eyes found the prince's. The prince began to weep, brokenhearted, as he realized how much pain he had caused the father. He never wanted to see the dragon again. The palace guards apprehended him as if he were some common thief. They brought him to the great hall where his father sat solemnly on the throne. The people on every side cried out against the prince. Banish him, he heard one of his own brothers angrily cry out. Burn him alive, other voices shouted. As the king rose from his throne, the crowd fell silent in expectation that a sentence of death would surely be handed down. The prince, who could not bear to look his father in the eye, stared at the stones on the ground. Take off your gloves and your tunic, the king commanded. The prince obeyed slowly, dreading that his guilt would be uncovered before the kingdom. He had hoped for a quick death without further humiliation. Sounds of revulsion rippled through the crowd at the sight of the prince's thick-scaled skin and the ridge growing along his spine. The king walked toward his son, and the prince steeled himself, fully expecting a backhanded blow, even though he had never been struck by his father before. Instead, his father embraced him and wept, and he held his son tightly. In shock and disbelief, the prince buried his face against his father's shoulder. Do you wish to be free from the dragon, my son? The prince answered in despair. I wished it many times, but there is no hope for me. Not alone, said the king. You cannot win against the serpent alone. Father, after what I've done, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I am half beast, sobbed the prince. But his father replied, my blood runs in your veins. My nobility has always been stamped deep within your soul. With his face buried in his father's embrace, the prince heard the king instruct the crowd. The dragon is crafty. Some fall victim to his wiles and some to his violence. There will be mercy this night for all who wish to be freed. Who else among you has ridden the dragon? The prince lifted his head to see someone emerge from the crowd. To his amazement, he recognized an older brother, one who was known throughout the kingdom for his onslaughts against the dragon in battle and for his many good deeds. And many others came, some weeping, others hanging their head. 
but the king embraced them all. I remember the first time that I heard that story and I went, oh my goodness, that sounds like my dragon ride. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you relate to that, but that's pretty crazy. The exhilaration, the high that we used to get. And then to see the total destruction that our behavior would cause. The death that it would cause to relationships, to parts of our life, to others. And then that opportunity where the king opens his arms and hugs him, wraps his arms around him, and loves him. And I've told this story many times, but that was my first experience of feeling totally vulnerable, standing in front of the crowd, seeing the scales on my body, and Celebrate Recovery was the place that wrapped their arms around me and loved me. And so tonight we are talking about that. And one of the first things I want to tell you is that these are open doors and open arms. I don't know what you've done. I don't really care what you've done. But you are welcome here. You're welcome to come. You're welcome to get healing. And we have open arms. We want to welcome you and we want to love you through your hurt and pain. And I know we all have different hurts and pains. Mine revolves around sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Yours may reside around drug addiction, alcohol, codependency, control, anger, rage. I don't know. But once you put the verse up there, Matthew chapter 9, verses 10, 11, and 12, but this is what I find in Scripture. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. We need help. That's the one thing that I love about this. Everyone in here knows they're messed up, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you're all here, and we don't have the expectation that the person sitting next to us is perfect either. Yeah, I know you're messed up. I know, <laughs> I know. But that is one of the great things that I love about Jesus. He's here to help us. And let's look at this list together that's behind me. Let's look at that. What hurts, habits, or hangups are you wrestling with? Codependency? Divorce? Physical abuse? Sexual abuse? Adult children of dysfunctional families? Sex addiction? Eating disorders? Food addiction? Love and relationship issues? Addiction? Anger? Low self-esteem? Financial recovery? Same-sex attraction? Internet addiction, shopping addiction, gambling, nicotine addiction, and the list goes on. In scripture, Paul has at least three different locations where he lays out 
lists of sin. And every single one is a little bit different. There's no collective list of sin that is there. And here's the one thing that I know about Celebrate Recovery and my experience of doing it for almost 20 years is this. This is a discipleship making, a disciple making program. A leadership factory. That's what um, Rick Warren says. This is the number one discipleship tool that's out there. But we walk in this room because we've lived the rest of our life wearing this mask on our face. And to the world we present what we want them or what we think they want to see. For me growing up, I was known as the church boy. <laughs> they only knew. <laughs> I was the church boy. But behind my mask was sexual addiction. Deceptiveness, lying, being evasive, lustful, and I would hide that well. Some of my friends saw through the cracks. Some of them saw behind the mask for just a moment until I could get that back up. And that mask was there, and it wasn't until I walked into the rooms of recovery, and I sat in the room of recovery, and Scott Miller said, you got to be honest and I sat there and I said, you don't understand. Every time I've confessed this in church, I've been rejected. I've been spiritually manipulated. I've been told, hey, here's a Bible verse. That'll heal you. Hey, you just didn't pray hard enough. You must not have the faith that you need. I've been abandoned. And you want me to take my mask down? The thing that protects me? For what? So I can be hurt again? So I can be rejected again? And I'm so glad I listened to Scott Miller that day. I took my mask down. And for the first time, sitting in a group of men, I said, I'm Scott, a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery for sexual addiction. And they said, Hi, Scott. I was scared, and the only thing I could do after that, I tried to talk, was just cry. The moment where you're 100% vulnerable and 100% accepted is huge. Well, recovery is welcoming and it's loving, and what I wanna walk us through tonight is this Celebrate Recovery Growth Funnel. You may be here for the first time, and if you are, you get an opportunity to see how Celebrate Recovery works. Some of you may have been going, coming here for years, and you still don't know how the funnel works. And you don't know how it happens. But here is the Celebrate Recovery growth funnel. You want to grow? You want to heal? You want to become Christ-like? This is how it works. We have the largest part of the funnel, and that is the large group meetings. That goes down a little bit more. You guys all know how funnels work, so I'm not gonna explain it to you. A little bit more on that funnel, we have the small groups or our open share meetings, right? And then you go a little bit further down on that funnel where it gets really narrow, and that's where our step studies happen. We've got a men's step study starting. If you want healing and you want growth in your life, men, you will be there when it starts. And when you come out that other side, if you've done all the work you possibly can, 
there's going to be a changed life. There is healing through the power of Jesus Christ, who is our higher power, and there is a changed life for you. If you said, hey, I've been coming for five years and there ain't no changed life happening in me, it's because you're probably stuck somewhere in the funnel. You know when you put the oil in, the, in, the, in your car and there's still a little bit of oil left in there because you took it out too soon and it drips all over the cement? Yeah, that may be you. Clinging to that funnel, not willing to do the work to get through it. And so I challenge you, I know I speak harsh tonight, but I want to speak truth to you. I want to be open and honest with you. That that is the way it is. It's not just, hey, I get through this one step study and my whole life has changed. No. If you didn't do the work while you were in the step study, it's not going to change your life. I mean, if you're showing up to step study and you just filled your answers in in the, in the parking lot, or you haven't even filled in your answers and you're just winging it, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. So, tonight, let's start with large group. That's what we're a part of right now. What? Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. Right? That's what we got to do. Large group, that's what we're a part of right here, right now. And this is what happens every Tuesday night. Whether you like it or not, we are meeting in this room and we have a blast in here. Here's what scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not forsake the gathering together that we would gather together here to worship God. It's huge. That's the first thing that happens when you walk through the door on Saturday, on, on uh, Tuesday nights. Is what? Worship! And guess what? It's loud. I know. We do that for a purpose. Because if it is all like thoughtful and kumbaya, oh, kumbaya, my Lord. Everybody's going to be like, oh, I got so many troubles and worries in my life. And they're all contemplative. Oh, Debbie Downer. Right? We come in here and we have celebratory worship. We have... we. Specifically, pick three songs that are supposed to be upbeat so that we can celebrate because we need to take our eyes off of our navels, off of ourselves, off of our problems, and we need to focus them on Jesus Christ and we need to focus them there. And when we sing those celebratory songs, that's what we do. That's the purpose of that. Do I think that contemplative songs and worshipful songs like that aren't good? No, I love them. It's just not the right place on a Tuesday night. We have those. We have prayer time. We have our moment to do offering. You know why we do offering? Because it is an important part of our recovery process that we start to give back. I know it's step 12, but it is important that we start here. And some of that is by sharing an open share group. It's doing other things. But one of them is through giving financially a little bit. If you're a part of the secular programs, that's the seventh tradition. That helps us do the things that we do around here. It helps us have cameras. 
Put it live on Facebook. Put it live on YouTube. Put it live out there so others can do that. It helps us provide food for those that come and need food. It allows us to do those things. And so I challenge you, if you haven't given on a Tuesday night, bring something, anything. When I first started bringing a guy to uh, AA meetings, I told him, you better bring a dollar. I'm like, oh, you don't have a dollar? Like, well, how'd you get that McDonald's? How'd you get that food? Oh, really? Hmm, that's interesting. Had money for that, but didn't have money for this. Huh. You had money for your addiction. You grabbed that cocaine somehow. Hey. So let's bring a dollar. Bring something. Bring it. After that, we have our teaching and our testimony. Tonight is a teaching night. Next week's going to be a testimony. Pastor Ben is going to be up here sharing his, uh, oh no, Sam is going to be up here sharing his testimony next week. Sammy G is going to be up here, and it's been a while since he shared his testimony. I'm glad his health is up, that he's able to share this uh, with us. And then the week after that will be a teaching night, and Pastor Ben will be up here teaching. It'll be a great, great evening. And so that's kind of how large group works. Now we have open share groups. And I know that there's probably half of us in this room that don't go to open share groups. I don't get names of people because it's an anonymous ministry. We don't scan your ID. We don't be like, oh, they got in their car, they left. No, we're not doing that. But we do get a number count because it's important for us to keep track and know how we're doing and how can we grow and how can we get better. And one of the things that I know is about half to two-thirds of us go to open share group, and that is awesome. But there's some of us that they get in the car and we leave and we don't go. And that's okay. We may not be ready for that. We may still be in the top of that funnel and we're just, we're, we're doing what we can, and that's okay. Come for what you can, and that's okay. I do challenge you, if you want to continue to grow, that you would start to go down that funnel a little bit and you'd start to go to open share group. Well, what is open share group? Open share group are our meetings where we get to hear experience, strength, and hope. Why? Because we've got the veterans that have been around these rooms for a while that have walked that road that you've walked that are going to be opening their mouth to share. And when they share, they're going to say stuff that you might connect with. And I know in step study, you're going to want to go and go, hey, how do I find a sponsor? Go to Open Share Group, listen to the experience, strength, and help, find somebody that's sharing something awesome, and ask them. That's how you find a sponsor. Don't call me and say, Scott, do you have a sponsor for me? The answer is no. <laughs> you got to do the work. You've got to seek that out. I have women that even ask me, and I'm like, I don't know any women here. You know I'm a sex addict. I don't talk to women. I shouldn't do that. Right? So, experience, strength, and hope. Now, these groups that we have are gender-specific, so men with men, women with women, and they're issue-specific. And so we have our different groups that are running. So up here behind me, you can see, for men, we have chemical and alcohol addiction. We have sex addiction. We have food addiction and compulsive overeating, which will be getting launched in August again. I know we quit it for a little bit. It's going to be launched again in August. Where's Bill? Bill and I are being running that group. I need to get back into working my program in that area a little bit better. We've got anger. We've got codependent to chemical addicts. And we've got ACFD group. ACDC group. Exactly. Um, you guys are dysfunctional, man. Um, and that's our men's groups. 
And then we have our women's groups. And we've got chemical and alcohol addictions. We have codependency, codependent sexually addicted men, codependent chemical, chemical addict. We have food addiction and eating disorders. We have a physical, sexual, emotional abuse group. We have a sexual addiction. We have anger. We have adult children of family dysfunction. Should be dysfunctional family, ACDF, but it's okay. Here's the deal. Those are the groups we have. But there's so many more that we need. So the more that we go through this funnel, the more groups we can have, the more people we can reach, the more healing that can happen in our church, in our city, and in your lives. When we have an opportunity to go through this group and we do an open share group for those that are struggling with workaholism, and you're like, nobody comes here for that. Nope, I know there's one that's here for that. Gambling, gaming addiction, social media addiction, you know who you are. You're always scrolling, swiping, doing your thing, whatever it is. Well, here's how it works. It has a format for it. So we have a welcome time and a prayer time. Sometimes in the smaller groups, there may be a little devo or, or a reading. There's introductions that happen, and we go through these guidelines. Keep your sharing focused on your own thoughts and feelings. Thank you, Darren, for changing that. And your sharing is three to five minutes. There's no crosstalk. You're not rude. Your phone's not out. You're not on your phone. You're not talking to your neighbor. I know you came with your friend and you guys are all in group together and you're all, and that's awesome. We just, in group, when it's going, we don't talk. Be respectful of those that are in the group. There's no fixing going on. Unless you're the facilitator and you gotta call somebody on breaking one of the guidelines and there's gotta be something. But there's no fixing. Anonymity and confidentiality. What we see here, who we see here, what's shared here stays here. Right? And then no offensive or graphic description has a place in group. Graphic description, right? You're going back through and you are basically being a verbal voyeur or verbal exhibitionist by sharing what you, how you used. And that triggers other people. And so you want to be careful in what you share and how you share that. Those are our group guidelines. We hold to those group guidelines. There's a focus question. Everybody shares. And then you pray and you're done. And that's our open share group. And then you go get dessert and whoop, whoop, you bring a buck for that. Yeah, you guys bring a buck for, open for dessert, but I mean, I'm just saying. And then after, after open share, you guys get your dessert, you fellowship, you talk, all that stuff. Somebody shared something good in group, you ask that person, hey, can I buy you dessert tonight? There's somebody new in your group, you go, hey, can I buy you dessert tonight? That's what we do. It's a buck. It's a buck. Fourth funnel, we're getting narrow here, and I'm running out of time. Let's see if I can do this in two minutes, less than two minutes. Here we go. I had an energy drink, just kidding, I had to just Diet Coke, but we're, it's going to work the same. Here we go. This is where the work begins and healing starts to happen. These groups that we hold are gender specific, not issue specific. So men with men, women with women. That's why we run men's groups. That's why we run women's groups. There aren't just like, hey, this, uh, we're gonna do a step study for all the sex addicts. That's not what we do. We do men, women. We have separate groups, gender specific. There is a format. The format is very similar to the other format of open share group. That's what's so awesome about it. Basically, there's gonna be a time and this is not specific. And so my teaching team leader, Beatrice, is gonna to talk to me afterwards and tell me, Scott, you totally did not do well. 
But you welcome people and you have prayer. Some groups do worship, other groups don't. You go over the guidelines. There's a reading or a devo somewhere in there sometimes. And then guess what? You have your thing and some of the stuff like on denial, you would read, hey, here's what a lesson on denial. You read it all out and then you ask the first question. And then you go around the room and you answer it. So if you haven't done the work, one, why are you wasting everybody's time being in the group? You're wasting your time, everybody else's time. If you just answered it in the parking lot when you just pulled up, you didn't spend enough time to think about it. The whole point of this is that we're taking time outside of that group to think about it, to dwell upon it, to journal about it, to write down those answers. And you're like, but I got tons to share. Awesome, that's why you got a sponsor. I didn't get enough time to share in my three to five minutes. I know, that's why you got a sponsor. Find out what you need to share in that time. And then after you guys answer your questions, you pray and you're done. That is introduction to recovery. That is the funnel. We open you with what open arm or we welcome you with open arms. You go to a large group, open share group, step studies. You do that in a year, come back and talk to me and we'll get you up on this stage to share a testimony. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So. I'm out of time, but let's stand, let's close with the serenity prayer, let's get to open share group. The focus question tonight is what brought you into the rooms of recovery? Here we go, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, first time guest right across the hallway. Second time guest right up front. Love you guys. See you guys at dessert.